If you're listening to this on the audio feed, you might have noticed that this episode is a week delayed, but you can get early access to our episodes by becoming a paying member. A few weeks ago, I was commissioned by the London Evening Standard to write an article as part of their campaign in favour of free speech. They titled it, How Can We Have a Proper Debate When We No Longer Speak the Same Language? It was later posted on Twitter. Here is what I wrote. I was about to start work on this commission when in came an email from Twitter. They'd received a complaint that the following tweet violated their standards. Sex is not the same as gender, but it's not your gender that gives you the physique to tower over women athletes and break their swimming records. It's your sex. It's not your undressed gender that upsets women in changing rooms. It's your sex. You can't eat your cake and have it. Twitter sensibly overruled the complaint and cleared me of the proscribed sins that they helpfully listed for me. Violent speech, violent and hateful entities, child sexual exploitation, abuse harassment, hateful conduct, perpetrators of violent attacks, suicide, sensitive media, illegal private information, non-consensual nudity, account compromise, plus various legal technicalities. I'm sure the complainant was sincere, and that's my point. A certain type of activist has a level of paranoid sensitivity that almost literally warps their hearing. You can say, I disagree with you for the following reasons, but all they actually hear is, hate, hate, hate. So, instead of putting a counter-argument, which I would be interested to hear, they resort to censorship. All too often, it goes further, and they boil over in virulent abuse. Transphobe! Turf! At least the above tweet was partisan, but so hair-trigger is the hypersensitivity. A mere invitation to discuss something is enough to set it off. In 2015, Rachel Dolezal, a white chapter president of NAACP, was vilified for identifying as black. Some men choose to identify as women. Some men choose to identify as women, and some women choose to identify as men. You will be vilified if you deny that they literally are what they identify as. Discuss. That 2021 tweet caused the American Association... That 2021 tweet caused the American Humanist Association to withdraw my title as 1996 Humanist of the Year. A 25-year retrospective swipe which cost them the loss of several major donors. Once again, I have no doubt they were sincere. On July the 26th, I interviewed Helen Joyce about her book, Trans. The interview is being very well received on YouTube, as it should be, for Joyce is extremely well informed in her subject, and she spoke cogently, soberly, reasonably. But one of YouTube's in-house judges heard only hate and tried to censor the interview. Short of an outright ban, YouTube has a variety of punishments at its disposal. In this case, we got a minor slap on the wrist, a restriction on our video's license to advertise. But the real point is, yet again, the ludicrous hypersensitivity of the complainant. Those warped ears heard not reasonable argument deserving reply, but hateful and derogatory content and hate or harassment towards individuals or groups. Obviously, I can't disprove that here. The interview runs to more than 10,000 words. But judge for yourself, it's still up on YouTube. I earnestly challenge readers to search diligently for literally anything that a reasonable speaker of the English language could fairly call hateful. Enter it, labeled challenge, in the comments section under the video. And I promise to respond. I said a reasonable speaker of the English language, and maybe here lies the key, language. If we want a fruitful argument, we better speak the same language. In today's overheated sparring over sex and gender, both sides may appear to be speaking English, but is it the same English? Does hate mean to you what hate means to everyone else? Or there's violence? The Oxford Dictionary defines it as the deliberate exercise of physical force against a person, property, etc. And that is certainly the meaning I understand. 
Advocates of free speech often invoke as a sensible exception incitement to violence, where physical force is normally. Advocates of free speech often invoke as a sensible exception incitement to violence, where physical force is normally implied. But that sensible exception would mean something very different if you redefine violence to include the non-physical. If someone calls you she when you prefer they, I might see it as a mild discourtesy. But if you see it as a violent threat to your very existence, then our interpretations of incitement to violence and hence freedom of speech are going to diverge sharply. As a textbook example of incitement to real violence, could hardly do better than Sarah Jane Baker's speech at London Pride this year, where she told the cheering crowd, if you see a turf, punch them in the fucking face. Or Sky News, January 23rd, has a picture of two politicians grinning in front of a large, colourful sign depicting a guillotine and the slogan, decapitate turfs. They claim they didn't know the sign was there, and I sympathise. You shouldn't be blamed for the company you keep. No doubt I shall be labelled right-wing for writing this article, and that's the most unkindest cut of all. The Guardian, February 14th, 2020, reported that police officers turned up at Harry Miller's workplace to warn him about his allegedly transphobic tweets, such as the obviously satirical, I was assigned mammal at birth, but my orientation is fish. Don't misspecies me. One of them told Miller that he had not committed a crime, but his tweeting was being recorded as a hate incident. Well, if Miller's light-hearted satire is a hate incident, why not go after Monty Python, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, Rowan Atkinson, Private Eyes, Royal Romances of Sylvie Crin, the early novels of Evelyn Waugh, Lady Adel Remembers, Tom Lehrer, even the benign P.G. Woodhouse. Satire is satire. That's what satirists do. They get good-natured laughs and perform a valuable service to society. Assigned mammal at birth satirizes the trans-speak evasion of the biological fact that our sex is determined at conception by an X or a Y sperm. What I didn't know and learned from Helen Joyce in our interview is that small children are being taught using a series of colorful little books and videos that their assigned sex is just a doctor's best guess looking at them when they were born. A provisional guess pending the child's own decision, which is what really counts. Joyce's comment is, and what are you meant to make of this if you're eight? First of all, that you're very boring if you simply go along with what you were assigned at birth. Her book quotes the boast of a mother of eight children, without a single boring cis child in the whole bunch. I recently received a moving letter from a highly intelligent American 12-year-old, worried that at her school it was not cool to retain your assigned gender. Yesterday, I chanced to meet an American teacher whose school rules compel her to go along with a child's declared gender and not tell the parents. Miller's case came up before Mr. Justice Knowles, who thankfully didn't mince words when it came to freedom of speech. In this country, we've never had a Cheka, a Gestapo, or a Stasi. We have never lived in an Orwellian society. 1984's appendix lays out the principles of Newspeak, the nascent language of Orwell's dark dystopia. Newspeak was designed to make unorthodox thoughts impossible. There will be no words to express them. O'Brien, Big Brother's enforcer, holds up four fingers and tortures Winston Smith until he really believes that two plus two equals five, if the party wills it. Is that realistic? Could political power ever make you really believe a logical contradiction? The Times, January the 18th, reported that a transgender woman has denied raping two women with her penis. If with her penis is not quite 2 plus 2 equals 5, it's getting close. 2 plus 2 equals 4.5. Joyce's book quotes Winston Smith in an epigraph. Freedom is the freedom to say that 2 plus 2 make 4. If that is granted, all else follows. 
are we approaching that point? But shouldn't we just indulge the harmless whims of an oppressed minority? Maybe, were it not for a strain of aggressive bossiness which insists, not so very harmlessly and not sounding very oppressed, that the rest of us must humour those whims and join in. This compulsion even has the force of law in some states. And alas, we often zip our lips in abject self-censorship because we aren't as brave as J.K. Rowling and don't fancy becoming a target of Twitter mob vitriol. No, we don't fear Big Brother or the Stasi. We fear each other. If you enjoyed this episode, you can show some support by leaving a review. 